Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm Jen Taylor, your host. I am mom of 18, and you can find me on momsrunningit.com. Remember, give a shout out to those who are brave enough to share their stories with us on how they have become parents. Let's dive right in. Today, yay, I'm on with Miranda O. How are you? I'm fantastic. And yourself? Great. I was so excited when I saw your name on the calendar this morning because we've known each other for a couple of years now. Yep. You were on originally April 3rd, 2020. So it's been almost mm -hmm. two years. Mm -hmm. And on that one, it was awesome because it was back when it was, uh, the podcast was a little different. We talked about your struggle and now mm -hmm. it's about parenting. So a year before that interview, you were diagnosed and right at that interview, book three came out. Yep. I don't know if I read, I don't think I read book three. I'll have to look on my Amazon account because I always that's, read everybody's book. That's okay. If not, I'll mail, I'll mail a sign. Copy oh my gosh. That'd be so good. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm choosing. So I've read your books. They're incredible. And, um, I love your story. And on this time, we're going to talk about life when you got that diagnosis. Cause mm -hmm. you, you were, in an, you were in a not healthy relationship and that was a big part of your, like, I guess, I don't know, would you call it growing up and. Oh yeah, totally. Growing yeah. up and discovery and experience and got to learn to love yourself first in order to be in a successful relationship. So like lots has changed <laughs> since we last spoke. Like when, when we did record that podcast, I was in Mexico with my mom and yeah. like, single and loving it. And now I have a partner and we have a one-year-old and we live in the country. Like <laughs> there's just so much that has happened, um, yeah. but it's just gotten so much better. So yeah, I'm excited to be here and kind of update everybody. Jump in on your diagnosis because we're yeah. talking about the parenting journey. You had a very different diagnosis. The diagnosis was when you were single? Yes. Yes. So, so I, tell us about that. Yeah. I was diagnosed with endometriosis and adenomyosis just around my 30th birthday. And next month I turn uh, 33. So just, you know, a couple of years down the road now. And I was basically told that my reproductive organs were not working the way that they should be working. That's the lining in your uterus, those cells started to show up outside of my uterus, which was causing pain and internal bleeding and which could then cause infertility and a whole slew of problems. And I was experiencing a lot of that. And, um, as part of, as part of being a woman, like you were born with a uterus. So you kind of just biologically think at some point, you should be a mom, whether or not you want to be, but there's always that thought that crosses our mind. Mm -hmm. And um, I had kind of written it off going like, hey, like, I'm single, I'm 30, I am definitely not where I wanted to be um, in in that motherly aspect of my life. So I said, you know what, if I'm, if I'm 35 and still single, then what I'll do is I'll just adopt. Or if I do meet somebody and I don't even want to go down that road, I don't want to try, like, I don't want to just be heartbroken over and over and over again. So I'll just adopt. Like I had put my mind a hundred percent into it that it's okay. Like I won't be a biological mom and that just wasn't meant to be part of my story in this life. And, um, 
I was proved really wrong <laughs> really quickly. So yeah, it um, when I launched book three after getting that diagnosis, I had I had I had met somebody and um, then the lockdown happened and everything closed, right? Like the, the, the beginning of 2020, everything was closed. So I wasn't able to go see my naturopath, my massage therapist, my acupuncture, my dietitian. I, like all of those practitioners were part of my routine in order to keep me healthy. Because after I had gotten the surgery to get the diagnosis, it was like, okay, great. So we cut out the endometriosis, but like it could grow back. Um, and the adenomyosis is embedded in the wall of your uterus. So really the only way that we can get rid of it is to remove your uterus. And if you want to try to have kids one day, then we're just going to leave it there. So, um, when I had, when I had met my partner and everything was going great and we, we had obviously open discussions from, from actually date one, I showed up, I looked like I was four months pregnant because I had bloating, like nobody's business. I had to take medication to help me with the pain. And I show up on our first date and he called me out on it. He's like, I can tell you're in pain today. And I'm like, oh, do I look bad? And he's like, no, no, no. Just, you kind of have this glossed over look on your eyes. Thank you to, you know, pain medication. Couldn't hide that one very well. And so we were really open about it and discussed it. And then when the lockdown happened, I wasn't able to go see those practitioners. So I started flaring a lot more. Right. And um, I kind of hit a wall. I said, listen, like, I we're either going to try to get pregnant or I'm getting my uterus taken out. Like, it's getting evicted. So what we did was we went to Google. Google <laughs> right because google solves all problems we google searched what kind of questions we should ask each other um before starting a, a family and this was like five oh, months good. into our relationship and like so totally unconventional but we came up with a list of 30 questions and had them written down and got a big pot of tea and sat down on the couch together and just went through one by one by one. And it went from like everything from cloth diapers to regular diapers to what your dream as a family, like what does a family dream look like? What are the roles of a mom and a dad in your mind? Um, religion, what do we want to discuss with our kids? How do we want to discuss it with our kids? Uh, discipline, like we went through all the deep corners and that conversation could have been really bad or it could have been really good and, and it ended up being really good we were aligned on a lot of things um and coming from two very different backgrounds it was enlightening that we were aligned on a lot of the the big moral compass topics that we discussed mm -hmm. and so at that point we sat down with all my medical professionals, explained to them what we were going to try to do and that we had this plan. If it wasn't going to work in six months, then we needed to see a fertility specialist at the six month mark. It wasn't like try for six months and then got, get on a waiting list for a fertility. Like it was, I'm either seeing a doctor at the six month mark or we're not doing it anymore. After that, we sat down with our families, discussed that like, hey, this is new for everybody, but this is the path that we've chosen. And everybody was super receptive to it, which makes it a lot easier, especially if you're close yeah. with your family. And and then boom, like 60 days later, I peed on several sticks and all of them came positive. And I called them, I was like, hey, you gotta get home right now. Like, 
right now. <laughs> and he's like, oh my God, what's wrong? Are you having a flare? Do we need to go to the hospital? I'm like, I just, we just got to talk about something. And he goes, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so got home. Wow. I showed him and, and then, and then the rest was history. Like it was, it was a wild year 2020 we we got pregnant we sold the condo that i was living in downtown moved out to the country got a house um and and then nine months later welcomed a baby girl into this world and it's just been a whirlwind since then so going back to the infertility which i totally understand a lot of women uh, i have a daughter that's included in this this is how i started infertility you're having so many issues with your cycles that you start trying to figure out why and what the issue is right and so you're not going through infertility ne necessarily to get pregnant although probably all the tests and like day surgeries that you had are the exact same ones they have. Cause my daughter is 30 also. And she, she's just turning 30. She's gone through the exact same surgery. She's done a couple different and I've done a couple different, but the bulk yeah. of them, the bulk of what we've done, they just don't put you on the medication to get pregnant, to increase your chances. So you're going through that as a single person. What I love about that is that you got to hash it out and decide how you felt about it. It's a very emotional thing to find out that you probably can't have kids. And two of my girls have been told that. And I was told that. So yeah. I get like, that's a really emotional thing to go through and to yeah. be able to like process that and decide what you want your life to look like moving forward is awesome. That's uh -huh. awesome. Cause going into that relationship, you were like, look, this probably isn't going to look like you think it's going to look. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? My partner, um, he, he was like, okay, I know you, you have processed and thought of your life one way because you have been told infertility is a thing. And I said, yes. And he goes, I see my life as being a biological father. So he's just like, and I believe in my heart, in my soul, in every ounce of my being that this will happen for us. And it's going to be a lot easier than you expect it to be. And I was like, don't put those false positives into my head because I don't want to start to believe that it's going to be easy for us and then be disappointed because then you're going to have to pick up a whole slew of Miranda, who's a disaster. And I've already worked through that disaster and I've already come to terms with it. And he goes, okay, I won't put it in your head, but he's like, I know in my head and my heart, how I feel. So he's like, let's just go at it with no pressure. Let's just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then when it did happen, he kind of gave me like that I told you, but in a jesting way. And I was like, okay, fine. So I will, I will learn to listen to your gut and to your intuition, but I also have to protect my own soul and my own heart. And he goes, right. you do what you got to do. I'll support you no matter what. But he's just like, I will always tell you what my gut and my intuition tells you or tells me because you would do the same thing. Like you're going to tell me what your intuition and your gut feels like. And that's why we work well as a partnership, whether or not we believe each other at that point it's okay we support each other and how we feel and and so like he never ever and to this day does not think that it will be difficult and i'm like hey you can believe that and i trust in you but i still got to keep my reservations and and just protect my balance like my mental yeah. sanity because it is a big thing like you know if you go through a loss or you go through you know trying for months and there's negative tests and this and that it's difficult to stay 
positive and um and but he's been right so far so keep knocking on wood and (laughs) so you're pregnant yeah because because you're pregnant within 60 days i mean like that's astounding so okay (laughs) that's a good i told you so that we're totally cool with that he's allowed to say that like okay yeah you are the man whatever (laughs) so then you get now you also know that at some point you're going to probably sign up for the hysterectomy oh yes yeah yeah and i I did that yeah 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 let me tell you i you don't realize how bad you feel till you don't feel bad anymore and (laughs) i i hadn't felt good since i was 15 and i got my hysterectomy at 33 yeah and oh my gosh like what a nightmare what a nightmare situation so i like it was the best thing i ever did however i had I had time to get pregnant and all of that stuff, which now you have. So yes, that's, that's a back burner to treat things long-term. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's always about like, you're kind of told that from the beginning, right? As soon as you get the endometriosis or adenomyosis diagnosis, you're like, so hysterectomy can like remove a lot of your issues. And I'm like, well, okay, great. So like, if I have a lung problem, just like remove my lung and then it will get rid of all my issues. Like, no other medical condition has is dealt with that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was always like, okay, how can I alternatively take care of myself without starting to remove my organs? Especially since, you know, getting pregnant was easy for me the first time or easy for us the first time. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I got, I, I want to continue kind of this holistic and alternative healing approach, keep my mind as positive as I can and balances like that's that's a big mental game with this yep um and then as soon as we're done having children uh you know like I'm calling my gynecologist going like hey like so how fast after delivery can I get the uterus taken out like can I get it taken out after I give birth like is that like can we just do it all in one (laughs) right he's like slow your roll girl and I'm like well no like it it is it is an inevitable thing it's happening. Right. I don't want to live like this. It was six weeks after I gave birth. I, I got a period. It was terrible. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's after like postpartum as well. So I'm not only postpartum tired, but now I have thyroid problems that is causing me an extra layer of tired. Plus you're cramping, plus you're bleeding for the first time in like 10 months. Like it was just all of this hit me at once. And I was like, this, this sucks. I right. do not like this. So let's talk about that now. The, t- tell me, were there any issues or complications or interesting weird things with the pregnancy? How was the delivery? And then let's talk about the after. The yeah, after the for delivery. sure. You know what? Honestly, I got sick once. Um, okay. That was like knock on what I was... It was one day I had morning sickness, my, and then I got a really bad, um, like contraction type cramping about six weeks into my pregnancy. So I went to urgent care and, um, they're like, do you need morphine? Do you need this? Like, we're just, we're going to take an ultrasound, but like, we got to get your pain under control. And I said, hold on a minute. I said, time out. I'm used to this pain. I am just not used to being pregnant and in this pain. So I need you to just confirm with me that the fetus is actually embedded in the wall of my uterus and not just chilling out in my um, fallopian tube. Like, right, right. That's, that's why I'm here. I just need you to confirm that, you know, of course my, my body's creating more blood, more blood in my uterus is going to cause pain. My uterus is stretching and growing. 
it's going to cause pain because it's full of disease. So I'm like, I know the science as to why I'm hurting. I just need you to confirm that that's there. And so they did. And they gave me the peace of mind. And I was like, okay, good. I was very disconnected throughout my entire pregnancy. I have a cousin who had a daughter just a month after my baby was born. And so we were pregnant at the same time. And she was very um, connected to her baby during the pregnancy. And I was like, mm, it's a fetus. <laughs> like, well, okay. Uh, right. Like I was so scared that something was going to happen. So I did not want to connect myself with it. Um, okay. and it, and it bugged a little bit of Pete, like it bugged my mom a little bit. It, you know, it, it, some of my coworkers were like, you know, it, it is a baby at this point. I'm like, mm -mm it is not my baby until it comes out and it is breathing until then. Like, I love it. I'm good, but it's an it and it's a thing. It's a foreign body in my object or in my, sorry, it's a foreign object in my body. Right. And, and so I had a very weird approach to it, a very disconnected approach to it. But then, you know, as soon as, as soon as she came out, I was, I was all in for it. Is that uh, because you worried about complications and pain and you wanted yeah. to kind of, yeah, I, yeah. I get it. Well, 100%. I, get it. I was I get so it. worried that, you know, I, this is too good to be true. So I don't want to get excited. I just want to coast is clear. And you know what? I, we didn't announce the pregnancy on social media. No One, kidding. Like, <laughs> hi, all of a sudden I have a kid. And, you know, because we went about it in a non-conventional way. So we both were like, I don't want to get social media flack, especially from people that don't know us. Right, that right. Hadn't seen us, either of us in years, um, you know, going like, oh, wow, you just knock, you like, you just knock this girl up or like, you just get, but like, actually, no, it was strategically planned. It was well discussed. Like, so we went about it very differently. And so the people in our lives and our day-to-day -day lives knew about it. And I told my partner and I said, I want this because if something happens, I need the support of my family and my friends to help me deal with the loss. Like I was preparing worst case scenario through the whole pregnancy. Right. Um, and then, you know, I, I got really tired, um, like more tired than they say it's normal. I don't know. I slept through like most of my second trimester and I ate everything. Like I was hungry from the moment I got up to the moment I went to bed and I dreamt of food. Um, they're like, yeah, gain 35 pounds in a pregnancy pff, times that by two. And there, there I am. And I was like, right. you know what? I'm okay with it. My doctor's like, you're okay. Just do what you got to do. Stay positive. Cause I was going to appointments by myself. Yeah. COVID, right. You know? Right. And so I just, luckily my partner, he's, he's a doctor as well. So okay. he calmed me all the way through. If I had like a hiccup of emotion, we would talk about it. He would calm me down and I was good. So when I was going to my doctor's appointments, I was already calmed down because I had asked the questions to my partner before I went to my actual doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when we got to the labor and delivery, it was, it was kind of, I, I don't want to say spectacular, but it was spectacular. Like, uh, we, I went in false labor two weeks before she was born and they gave me a little cocktail of medication and sent me home. And I was like, okay. Um, and then I actually finished my corporate job on Friday at five o'clock and was starting that leave. And at six 30 ish, I went into labor 
and I was like, oh, I thought it was a poo cramp. I'm not gonna lie. I thought it was just like poo moving through my intestines. So I was like, you know what? I'll just track it. But again, two weeks prior, false labor. So right. I didn't, was didn't want to freak out. My mom and dad had come over for dinner, so um, I, they were there, and I knew my mom as soon as she knew that I was in labor, she was just gonna go like. <laughs> and so I was tracking my contractions on my app on my phone and I texted my partner who was two feet away from me going like, I think I'm in labor, but like tracking things now, he just says, keep calm. If you need something, speak up, but keep calm and do your thing. And in an hour, we'll see how you're going. And about 45 minutes into tracking my, my contractions, my mom figured out what I was doing. And then she was like, oh my God. <laughs> and she was like, get in the car, let's go. And she's packing my bags and like hurling us into the vehicle. And my partner's like, hold on a minute. Like, I just gotta make sure we have everything that we're meant to have. Like, just, right. I don't wanna rush on your time. We don't wanna rush, so I'm taking my time. So my, my mom and my dad and I are in the car with the dog and um we're waiting for my partner and he's just standing there staring into the house you know how sometimes you do that just to make sure you're not forgetting something and they're like beep hard and i'm laughing and he's like just calm calm down (laughs) it was quite an entertaining ride into the city to get to the hospital and then triage wanted to send me home and we're like no we live out of town it's like it's still wintry out. It's Canada. So um, beginning of March last year, middle of March last year. So we were like, we're not, we're not, we're not going home. Like this is, this is it. We know this is it. And when we got into the labor and delivery room, everything couldn't have gone more smoothly. We had about 10 nurses come in and out and we actually brought a gift. Um, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sucker for sucking up. so you treat me better (laughs) even though that shouldn't make a difference but it always does make a difference whether or not you want to admit it so we brought a box full of tea bags coffee keurigs uh chocolates pens little notepads um little coupons for asics runners because you know good footwear for nurses are super important and then just a little thank you card for like you know thank you for helping us bring our baby into this world like we couldn't do it without you um and so we got an influx of nurses coming in we're like oh my god look at my new pen and i took a chocolate and thank you so much and like how can we help you and it was really wonderful i i had a great time in between contractions um my body would convulse when i'm in a lot of pain my body shivers um so i started singing shake it like a polaroid picture in between my contractions <laughs> they're like what are you doing i was like i am coping just let me have it and then when she came out i sang we are the champions i don't sing well so it was like high pitched and squeaky and my partner was just like yep that's why i love her and yeah, it was, I think I, I went in about 8.30 at night and she was born just after four o'clock in the morning. And then um, a little angel happened. So my brother's father-in-law passed away 40 minutes after my, my daughter was born. Mm. And so, and he was very sick and unresponsive for a few days prior. So we kind of, m- my brother-in-law was with his dad 
during this whole thing. And so when he got the word that our daughter was born, he whispered into his dad's ear that the baby was arrived and baby was safe and happy and healthy. And he squeezed my brother-in-law's hand and passed on to the other side. So it was a very emotional 24 hours for everybody in the family. Um, But now we kind of say like, our, our daughter has a guardian angel looking over her all the time because of that. And, and it's truly, truly the, the way it happens. I swear she talks to spirits all the time. <laughs> She'll just talk to herself all the time. It's great. So the, I love that the pregnancy and the delivery went well, and yeah. then she was born and like, I've known you for a couple of years and I, I'm not awesome at keeping up on social media, <laughs> but all right. of a sudden there was this picture of you. I think it was, you, I know you were pregnant in one picture. Yep. But I think, I don't know if it, it was like, oh, by the way, I'm like about to have a baby. I'm like, how have I missed this? Well, I didn't. <laughs> and then it was like, ta-da, she's here. Yeah. Um, so that was a surprise. And then she, and she's how old now? She'll be a year in a few days. So Okay. Like, so I thought so. She's So in the last year, there's been a lot of transitions. Because like you said, you were diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Yep. You weren't feeling well. You and I talked a bunch at that point. Um, yes. And, you know, you bring home a baby. Here's what I think. I don't think people, women realize. I remember a woman saying, like, why doesn't anybody tell you that your hip stretch never go back? Why doesn't, <laughs> like, one, would you believe them? And two, would it matter? Like, and there's this list of 50,000 symptoms. You may have zero or 50,000 and you may throw in a couple of your own. Like there's, there's not really a way to prepare a woman entirely to how your body is going to feel and respond and emotionally how you're going to feel and respond because we're all so different. So let's spend the last few minutes talking about how you got through this first year. Maybe it's just the first few months that were the most difficult because this wasn't COVID. You weren't no. seeing some of your practitioners. No. So take us through that because you didn't have a like a normal, a quote, normal experience with this. No, I have really bad migraines. Um, I, I've, I've always had them when I was a teenager. I had a bout of them and they kind of, they, I lose vision. I get really nauseous. They basically like incapacitate me. Mm-hmm. And so I had about when I was a teenager, I had about after my divorce and separation. Um, and they, the doctor kind of diagnosed me with PTSD around those migraines. My, my migraines were psychological. So when I started actually talking about my problems, I was able to balance that mental chemical and awesome. you know, balance out. And then I got an IUD as part of my endometriosis and adenomyosis treatment. And that hormone imbalance nearly killed me. I think I was in the hospital like seven times in nine days with terrible migraines. Like I went into the doctor. I said, if you do not fix this, I don't want to leave this hospital. Like I will, I will, it's done. And he's like, maybe you should see a psychologist. I'm like, I have been seeing my psychotherapist throughout this whole time. You tell me my pain is in my head. My psychotherapist is telling me my pain is real. And she's been dealing with me a lot longer than you have. So when I started getting these migraines, I had no idea what was wrong. I said, are they psychological or are they hormonal. 
And I think that's when I reached out to you going like, Lord, help me. Like, I don't know what is going on with me. I was getting them to the point where I was sick. I was unable to take care of my child. I was trying to nurse her, but I wasn't getting sleep. I was so tired. So I wasn't producing enough milk. And I just, I remember calling my parents because my partner had to work through this. I, you know, I'm like, Hey, my partner went to work an hour ago at six o'clock in the morning. She's asleep. She's fine. But if she wakes up, I can't, I can't. Like I, right. I, I am unable to take care of my child. So I got a migraine every single day for 90 days straight. And um, through a lot of experimentation with going to acupuncture, going to massage, trying to get sleep. So bottle feeding, fitting in formula, like all those pressures. I'm like, just keep my kid fed. I don't care. You know, there's and nothing was working. And I had finally found an onset medication that was safe for me to take while I was nursing. But at that point, by the time I had found that medication with my doctor and was able to take it on the onset, it was still taking about two hours out of my day of just serious pain. So I, I, I had to slow down my nursing like almost completely. And, you know, that was actually when my doctor had diagnosed me with Hashimoto's as well. So the first like four months after she, I think I got about 10 great days. <laughs> like I was like, oh, I can do this, but I think it's the adrenaline. Like you're a new parent. You have this new life. You, nothing can stop you. You don't feel tired. You're beyond tired. Um, and then once I started getting those migraines and like the 90 days after that, it was really tough for me to just do the bare minimum. And that was, that was really difficult for me to, to mentally manage because I I looked at my partner, I'm like, how am I supposed to be a mom if I can barely take care of myself? Like this child is my responsibility. It's ours, but she's my responsibility Mm -hmm. and I cannot even get out of bed. And he goes, you know what? This is just, it's just a phase. Yeah. You are okay. And then one day it was like 90 days. And my, my gynecologist told me hormones take 90 days to balance out. And he told me that when we put the IUD in. So in my mind, I'm like, get to 90 days, get to 90 days, get to 90 days. And it was like 90 days. And then I got my first 24 hours with no migraine. And I was like, whoa. Then the next day no migraine. Then the next day, no migraine. And as soon as they stopped coming, it was like this weight lifted off of me. And I was this veil, like this dark sheet. And I was able to get out and go walking again, be outside more. It was summertime at that point. So I went to the park, walked in the park, walked through the bush with my kid. We would par- I'd power walk with her on top of me. I walked 200 kilometers in the month of July and I did not lose one pound. Okay. Hashimoto's. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, here's the good news for the next time around. Hopefully it, there's no pandemic. So you have yeah. better access to yeah. care, but also at the second you'll have this like ahead of time, you just don't, you don't know. And it was exactly. awful exactly. and it's helpless. Like there, yep. I, there's nothing, there's nothing. I mean, I used to have migraines. So I, how do you even figure that out? Oh yeah. Um, So the good news is you can, you, if, if you're getting pregnant again, if you guys have another baby and that happens, you'll at least know 
preventatively. Exactly what to expect. So that's good. Like if mm-hmm. this happens, we have a plan. So yeah. Hashimoto's, let's talk a little bit about that. And yeah. then um, because you're feeling so much better, the the next eight months of her, you know, since then has been great, but the yeah. not losing any weight thing, that's, that's attributed to Hashimoto's. Yeah. Yeah. Very much attributed to Hashimoto's. Um, so I, I went to my doctor, I said like, I, I like what is going on? Like I, yeah. I've cut back eating. I drink a lot of water. I'm literally walking a, a crap ton with a 15 pound child attached to me. So right what is going on? And, and I, and he's, you know, we, we had tried a couple of different things and I was stepping on the scale every morning. And so what I stopped doing, and I had actually figured this out on a weight loss journey, like early twenties that I build very unhealthy relationships with scales. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what I did was I stopped stepping on it and I would work out to feel good. I would eat less because it made me feel good. I would eat vegetables because it made me feel good. My decisions were because I wanted to feel better. I didn't want to lose weight. And so as soon as I started to take, I changed that mindset, my clothes started to feel a little looser. I was able to go down a pant size. Um, You know, I was able to clasp my bra a little bit tighter without popping out everywhere. And, you know, I found that I had more energy. And then I went back to work a few months, like the beginning of this year, I went back to work. And all of a sudden, this whole new sense of purpose came around. I found that when I was sitting at home, it was lovely hanging out with my kid every day, but I wasn't getting anything done. My my banking, my finances are all fine. We're all over the place because I didn't have the mental capacity to sit down at a computer and do it. You know, we were buying too many groceries and things were going to waste. I wasn't able to even write when I was on mat leave. Then I go back to work and I'm like, oh, I have this newfound energy and this sense of purpose and organization. And then 30 days later, finances back in a row, our grocery bills are down and our food waste is like next to nothing. I feel better. I My pants are a little looser now again. Like I'm getting in my steps. My kid is going to daycare with a small group of kids. She's loving it. She's be, like developing leaps and bounds because all of them are older than her. And I, and I have all, and I'm still able to hang out with her at the end of the day with, for a few hours. And that quality couple of hours was way more productive than spending 12 hours at home alone with her. You know, because I'm sitting there tired and I'm like, just play. Now I'm on the ground with her and rolling around. So it was, yeah, Definitely like going back to work for me specifically, not everybody, but for me specifically enabled me to be, be a better mom. And, and I'm like, man, can't wait for the next one to come whenever that's going to come. But then as soon as I can, I want to go back to work because I just, I feel so much better when I have a million things on my plate versus just take care of your kid and you're going to be perfect. I want to take care of my kid, but I want to save the world and all of their problems too. <laughs> I think that's so important to point out that we're not all cut out to do the same thing. And that yeah. like, if you're a stay at home mom, there's, there's guilt and people talk down to you. If you go back to work, there's guilt and people talk mm-hmm. down to you. And like, basically once you become a parent, 
a mom especially, you're never going to do it right. Nope. So figuring out the right thing for you means you don't give a crap about what other people are saying. If you had forced yourself to stay home and like do the thing that you thought you were supposed to do, you would have been miserable. Oh, for sure. And, and you're not a good run- parent. No. No, not at all. And nothing would have gotten done. Like, as soon as I started back to work, I've hammered out 10,000 words in for my next book. And they were good words, where I think I I struggled to get 2000 during mat leave. And they were not good words. Right. You know, it like, again, everybody is different. I and I took 10 months off. I don't know if I'm going to need 10 months for the next time around. Um, but you know, I think at like this eight month mark, I was ready to go back, but we didn't have daycare lined up. We didn't have like, you know, certain things lined up in order for me to take that leap. And, and so as soon as I got that organized, I, it was back to work and like back to being able to be productive and as productive as I was prior to becoming a parent. And that fulfills me. But right. I don't like anybody that does any different than me. Good for you. Right. I will support you in that decision. But let me do me without judging me. Um, and most people are okay. But sometimes like, again, social media, you open yourself up to online opinions that just here's my opinion, and I don't want right. to hear it back. So, you know, I, that was one of the reasons why we didn't post it to begin with was because we, we didn't want to hear people's negative opinions about why, why did we choose to do this in the way that we chose to do it? Because, well, we went about it the way that made sense for us. And it's worked. So, hey, if you want to do that, great. If you don't want to do that, also great. I have a best friend that will refuse to live with somebody before she dates him for a year. And Lord help me, she is my best friend. But I'm like, what does 365 days accomplish that just moving in with somebody, if you care for them and you're aligned in all the right ways, why 365 days? Not what, maybe 600 days, not 100 days. Like, But she's so attached to that one year idea it makes no sense to me, but I'm like, Hey, if it makes you feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. then awesome. In a year from now, I'm just going to ask like, so are you guys moving in together? (laughs) And I'm just going to bug her about it. Jestingly, of course. And she's like, you do that. Bug me about it. I don't care, but that's how I I work. And we're stark opposite human beings. We've been friends for 30, over 30 years. So, Hey, it just it just goes to show, and she doesn't want to be a mom at all. We're stark opposites, but right. we love each other and we let each other do our things. Thank you so much for being on today, Miranda. <laughs> I was so excited. Thank Me you for too. sharing your story. Thank you. I'm so happy that I got to be on here today. It was like the highlight of my day when I woke up. Me too. Up. <laughs> Great.